0: Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. A lot can happen in the next 3 years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend.
1: Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Road. And today is really special for me. I'm actually talking to an old, old, not an old person, an old friend, somebody I've known for a long time. Trey Bodge is somebody that I met when I launched my very first entrepreneurial endeavor, which was Ned and Shell. Um, It was an online marketplace for new designers, female designers and accessory brands. And in the case of Trey, she had a very popular cult following makeup line called Three Custom Color. And she was one of the first people that we had the pleasure of working with. And we did some fun collaborations. And it was it was back in those New York City days. It was awesome. So it is Such a treat for me to have her here with us today. And I can't wait for you guys to hear her story. Trey, welcome to Liberty Road.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you.
1: So good to see you. And I have to say that I have actually been keeping up with Trey because I see her on TV all the time. And you guys are going to learn a little bit more why. So I've been watching her sort of as her career has shifted. But I can't wait for you guys to hear her story because it's a really interesting story of how Here's somebody who started something, was on that entrepreneurial path and shifted her way into her new success. So Trey, tell us a little bit about that story. What are you doing now?
0: Sure. So what I'm doing now is I am a smart shopping expert. And what that means in my world is that I do a lot of different things to help consumers save money on their day-to-day purchases and also save for both long and short-term goals. And so like you said, I do TV, I have a blog, I do a lot of content on Instagram. I partner with brands to help give them visibility in this space, uh, especially brands that really help consumers save money. That's kind of my sweet spot. So it's a a bunch of different things. And then I'm also a media coach, which is a little bit of a a fun side hustle that I have.
1: We'll get into that a little bit. So I've been seeing you on the Today Show and CNN and you know Good Morning America, where you're the person that comes on with whoever the regular is, you know the the, the anchor, if you will, and you're kind of an expert that comes in and talks about different ways that the consumer can save money, products that they can purchase. Um, your recommendations are sort of why you're being brought into the show. How does one get a career? in being a lifestyle um, journalist?
0: Sure, so it's, a long road. (laughs) So that's something that I would say for your listeners out there. This is not something that you can kind of jump into quickly, because you do have to establish yourself as a known quantity. And how to do that, I think, is really to um, blog a lot, post a lot. So when you do pitch yourself to TV stations, they can vet you and see like, oh, you know, she's walking the walk, she is legit. So it is a little bit of a long road. So you have to have some patience and time and dedication and all of that. But I have to say that I feel like I've created the very best job for me. I Mm -hmm. have the most awesome job on the planet for me. And so I'm really, really excited to do it every day. And I love what I do every day. And I think that that's something that we can all accomplish whatever our our goals and dreams are. You know, I'm, I'm here to say that it's absolutely possible, but it does take time and dedication.
1: I think this is so key. You said, I'm in the best job for me. How long did it take you, Trey, honestly, (laughs) to figure out the best job for you?
0: So it was a little bit of a journey. So when we knew each other, I was at Three Custom Color, which is a brand that I founded with two friends, and I kind of hit a wall there professionally after 15 years of running the business. So it was yeah. I gave it a, a good long go, um, and I loved it, but I also felt like I had more to do. I had felt like I had more to learn, more to offer, and so I thought that I was going to end up at a, a a large beauty brand, say you know a, a brand owned by Estee Lauder or L'Oreal or something like that, and I was going right. to be in marketing or PR product development, something like that, right? So everyone who I met with, and people were kind and lovely and happy to sit down with me, but could not figure out where to put me at all. And I kept getting a lot of that kind of door being shut in my face and in the nicest way, (laughs) like, yeah, Mm -hmm. we don't see you as being in the lab making product. Yeah, we don't see you as being a publicist. You're really more front of the house. Like, we don't see this. And it was so super frustrating for me, I'll I'll be the first to admit. But as I was going on that journey, you know, I needed to make money. And so I started writing sort of budget living content for a couple of different websites. Uh, Friends of mine were editors at these, these various websites, and they were kind enough to kind of give me a shot. And I felt like, oh, I love this. Like, I love finding the coolest. Running sneakers that are under a hundred dollars, or learning about this new app that helps you save money, and so I began to have this lovely enthusiasm about this kind of area, which I didn't really know was a thing, necessarily. Um, And so I just kept plugging away and going on those interviews and being frustrated. But then I started thinking, like, maybe these people who are taking the time to meet with me are actually telling me something really valuable. And I think that's an important lesson to learn that, like, we are not the only people who are in control of our path, right? Like, if people are telling you the same thing over and over, it might be a good thing to do to just like, stop (laughs) talking and listen for a second. <laughs> and so I started kind of pursuing this a little bit more aggressively, the the budget-friendly living idea. And then um Retail Me Not, which is one of the larger coupon sites, yeah. like they were looking for writers. And so a freelance gig kind of fell into my lap with them. I wrote for them for a while. And then I started seeing they were doing some media. And I was like, wait a second, you know, like I'm media trained. I've done QVC. I've done the news from on behalf yeah. of my own brand. So I kind of put myself out there. I said, you know, if you need help or anything, like I'm happy to kind of throw my hat in the ring. And it turned out they were looking for a spokesperson. And so that was actually my first kind of real foray into this, you know, budget living career. And I worked for them for about three and a half years. And I learned so much. And it was great for me to get in with a company that was growing really quickly who had big budgets and PR teams and all sorts of things that I didn't know, know anything about at the time. But then they had a pretty big layoff. And I was part of that. And but by, by that point, I was like, I think this is I something this. I can do myself. Yeah. And so that's where the smart shopping expert career as it is now, it began really at the end of 2015. And I've been on my own ever since.
1: What was it about the work, the combination of the searching for the goods, being on air, Mm -hmm. kind of connecting with other on-air personalities, coming into yourself as the expert. What about that combination of things helped you to realize this is for me? Was it a feeling, like, was it a capability, like I really know what I'm doing or just Mm. the way you felt when you were doing the work? What was the time or the moment where you're like, this is the work I was meant to do?
0: Well when I was working at Retail Me Not, there were a lot of things that I loved about it. And and some of those things were that sense of that searching, that discovery, that revealing, that sharing. Um, And then going on air and and showing my sort of passion and enthusiasm and realizing also that I was pretty good on air. Like I I knew how to kind of make a point quickly and succinctly. I loved that interaction with the different anchors and going into different green rooms and the whole experience of that. And then writing um, as well. I really enjoyed that. So it was really the perfect job for me in a sense. But I found myself being frustrated by sort of my, my lack of voice there, you know, Mm. I mean, it was a a large and very rapidly growing company. So my voice kind of shrank as the years went by. And having been an entrepreneur, you know, you know, you, you, you're used to having a voice, you're used to having being able to make things move. And that became harder for me to do there. And so when the layoff happened, it was really scary. Um, But I also knew that it was the right thing for me and also the right timing. And all of those things that I loved along the way, I thought, what if I can do something like this, but on my own, and just then having to navigate that space and try to figure out how I could actually make a living doing what I was doing on my own was an interesting journey as well. But like, it happened very organically.
1: Do you mind me asking, like, give me your age at that time? Because I want our listeners to understand, like, careers take different shape in different stages of life. And there's never a, well, I can't start over now. It's too late.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I don't believe that it's ever too late, as long as you have your wits about you and you're capable. Yeah. I, I think you could start a new business at 85 years old if you wanted to. And so I was 48 at the time when yeah. I was laid off. And I wasn't concerned at all about my age at that point, because my feeling was if this company was going to, they were hiring me to be their front person. It was like me and the CEO, you know, and we yeah. would trade off interviews based on the content and what was needed. I thought, you know, if I can be this age with naturally gray hair, with no Botox and, and what have you, yeah. like I can do this on my own. And so I I would just put it out there to anyone, like, don't let your age Put you down. The maturity that we have at this age is an asset. And I find that so much more now, like as my business has grown every year, my maturity is one of the most valuable things I have.
1: I was going to even say is that, you know, many people might assume that there's a conflict here because you're on air, you're on TV, people are mm-hmm. seeing you. And, and we assume that people are looking for those younger faces to connect with. The Mm -hmm. reality is as a consumer advocate, as somebody who's talking about goods, you need the audience to trust you. You need us to believe what you're saying is true. And it's hard to believe when somebody comes on and tells us that this is the best thing for, let's say our aging skin and Mm -hmm. she's 22, I'm like, what do you know? I mean, God bless you, but what do you know? So not that you're only talking about beauty products, you're talking about all sorts of things. But there's some there's something that we immediately connect with and trust. By the way, you don't show your age either. So this is a little bit of a funny thing to be talking about. You kind of represent the wisdom piece of it, but it's not because oh, there's an old
0: lady on that I'm looking
1: at, <laughs> looking at telling me this. There's a there's a competent person who's obviously got some experience and that experience and that wisdom is an important piece of what you're giving the audience, you know, and those those anchors and those shows know it. That's part of why you're probably hired all the time.
0: I would agree. But I would also say, like, for your listeners who are younger, there are opportunities for you too. Because I think as long as you approach your job with legitimacy and authenticity, mm. like, say you're a fitness trainer, and you vet different pieces of equipment in your home workout studio, and you're 22 years old, like, that's legitimate, too. And so mm-hmm. I think like, it's not necessarily like age is not a good thing or a bad thing. But I what I would say is that my all the years of, of business and all my years in the trenches of of all the things that I've done serve me really well Um, in in terms of my ability to ride different waves of when my business changes. um, I have so much experience behind me that I can stay calm and kind of weather those things. You know, my business goes through ebbs and flows because of the war in Ukraine or COVID or anything like that. And so I think that that maturity helps me that way as well.
1: Now, This is a particular ebb or flow, I'm not sure. The cost of everything right now, inflation, is no Mm -hmm. joke. Are you finding that the content you're putting out is um, revolving around that or centered around that or there's a greater need for us to find more budget sort of conscious items?
0: Yes, and I would say that uh, my business, I've been crazy fortunate through COVID and Mm. now through inflation. So like two horrible things that we are struggling with that were incredibly hard and and detrimental to families from a financial and emotional perspective, that is not lost on me at all. My, My business, on the other hand, has grown exponentially throughout this time. Because when COVID hit and we were all at home, I was already set up to do interviews at home, so I had the lights and the mics and all the stuff. And so, you know, I knew right away, you know, once I realized that we were gonna be on lockdown longer than a couple of weeks, I thought, okay, now is my time to prove myself to be as valuable as possible. To all the TV stations to show them that I am that reliable guest with strong Wi-Fi and a good shot and all the things that I knew were needed. And so that was an opportunity that I saw and started providing content around COVID, around what we were dealing with, talking about working from home and all of those elements that go into that, talking about the things that you need at your desk for, you know, successful Zoom meetings. And so I think whatever it is that you're doing or pursuing being really mindful of what's going on for other people around you and how you can potentially answer that need helps you remain relevant. And so through COVID, you know, that was the case, I talked about different kinds of masks and mask chains, and you know, how to like your go kit with your hand sanitizer, I was paying attention to every second of that. And then now with inflation, it's it's just literally fallen into my lap, essentially. But like, I can't just sit here and talk about inflation all day. So like, what else can I talk about? Or and I talk about people going back to work and like, you know, how things are costing more and how we're experiencing shrinkflation at the grocery store and how we can save money on gas. And we all want to travel now. And how do we save money? And it's like everything that's going on around me, I apply to what I do. And that helps me to remain relevant as well. First of all,
1: that's amazing, but it's also it makes me aware of how much you have to be in tune with just the daily <laughs> news that like what's going on, what people are paying attention to, and that's a lot. That's a full-time job right there. Never mind reporting back your view on it or perspective or the opportunity that those things may create. But then also thinking about your time as an entrepreneur at Three Custom Color, cause you're still an entrepreneur, right? You're still doing this thing, you still have your business, you have your media training as well, but you probably bring a, sensi- a brand sensitivity to it. Like you understand what the brand needs to communicate as well. That may not be your priority, but because you had a company, you had a brand, you understood what you were trying to convey in the past, you bring that to the table too. Is that something that's been sort of a tool or a benefit or are brands benefiting from, well, if Trey's telling my story, she's gonna hit on a few key things about what our features or our benefits are.
0: I would say both actually, um, and Mm. 100%. Because I understand how the whole PR machine works, the way that I apply those learnings to my day-to-day and creating my own personal brand is really important. And then also because I partner with brands and help them grow, everything that I learned during that time is also beneficial. So it's it's really both, yeah,
1: I can imagine. I know that I would want as a brand, I would want somebody who who came from that to be the person who was talking about me because they would be sensitive to those things. They wouldn't just be sensitive to, the consumer end of things, they would understand, like, there's so many things I'm trying to get across to that consumer. Just to put it in your hands would feel better to me as a brand owner.
0: I would agree. And, you know, sometimes my my brand partners may not agree at first. Yeah, What <laughs> I'm saying to them, like, no, this TV segment is not going to give you millions of dollars of sale. This yeah. is another, like, hit in the process of, you know, viewers seeing me and then being confident about sort of my recommendation. And then maybe they see an ad for that product, then maybe see that on Instagram, and then they order it. You know, like, sometimes brands don't understand that they want that immediate turn. And so these are things that I'm often saying to people, and I'll make suggestions, or um, I'll offer advice about sort of different things that brands are investing in. Because sometimes you have a really young publicist on the team who doesn't know. And so, you know, with the most respect I can offer, I will also disagree <laughs> and say, like, yeah. I don't know if I'd go that way. But, you know, so I, I try to offer some value on top of just like me going on TV for the brand, you're getting more than just me going on TV is, is my goal. And there's
1: a little tension there for you, right? Because you want to represent the brand that these mm. partners that you have. But you also need to be a trusted source for the audience. You can't just pitch whatever is pitched to you, right? How do you kind of walk that line?
0: Well, I turn things down a fair bit. So, you know, if a luxury handbag line comes to me and wants me to go on TV for them and they're offering me tens of thousands of dollars, I'm going to say no right out of the gate. It's not on brand for me to, to mm-hmm. be like walking around with a Louis Vuitton bag. It's just not. So yeah. like- that's something that's really important to me. Everything has to be on brand. I can't pull a rabbit out of a hat either. So it's like sometimes, you know, I work with a lot of tech brands like uh, like apps and browser extensions and things like that. And if they come to me and they're like, you know, we want to partner with you on this. And I look at the platform and I'm like, this is so buggy and yeah. it's not a good experience. And you say that it saves people money, but I don't understand why anyone would want to go through like jump through these hoops to get to like saving five cents like it doesn't matter so even if something seems on the face of it like it's a good fit for me like if I have to vet it first and especially with social partnerships, like brands will say like, Oh, we want you to test this thing and partner with us. And I'm like, well, I'll test the thing, but I'm not going to say I'm going to partner with you right now. Like I just recently partnered with this mattress topper brand. And I was like, I got to see the thing and put it on my bed and sleep on it a bunch to even tell you that yeah. I've been posted on my Instagram. And thankfully, like the product, it was really awesome. And I was like, okay, like this, I can do is, you know, it's a little expensive, but it's a really good investment. And here's, why, you know, everything is vetted. Like, so I am not for sale. It's really important for me to really believe in everything that I'm talking about. And that's hard sometimes to turn Mm. work down when it's handed to you when you have a business to run, right? But it's, I think, better in the long run to say no, when it doesn't make sense.
1: I was going to say your career would be short lived, you might have those Mm. 10s of 1000s of dollars per client now, but you wouldn't have the trust of the various people that are putting you on air as well as the, the consumer, which is ultimately the person that you want to please because they're the ones that are tracking you down, looking for you. They're the ones that need to feel served by you. Right. Yeah, okay, so how does one go from a makeup brand, <laughs> which is when I knew you, to pivoting? Now you talked about wanting to move on from that career and finding what was next and, and shared that story with us, but. What is it in you that had to sort of realign with this new career? And was it that time at uh Retail Me Not? Was it those three years that really gave you the scaffolding to do what you're doing now? And so therefore it really it wasn't that big of a jump?
0: I would say that leaving three custom color and finding Retail Me Not was the harder journey because like I said, I was I had my eye set on something and it wasn't working. And that was very frustrating for me you know I was like I'm ready to do this thing I'm ready to work for this L'Oreal company and they're like no you're not you don't fit in that box like it's not gonna work so that was really frustrating the the being laid off from retail me not and starting my own thing was really easy I have to say like and easy from the perspective of like I knew how to do it already and mm-hmm. I learned so much at retail me not like if I hadn't had that there's I don't think that I could have Made it here made it, yes. necessarily, or maybe it would have taken longer. So I learned so much there, and I took everything from there and applied it to this. Also at Retail Me Not, we brought on a lot of external spokespeople to sort of supplement what I and the uh, the CEO were doing. And so I had insight into like what those contracts looked like and what that scope of work looked like. So I knew how much to charge. I knew what the work was going to look like. So. When I left Retail Me Not, I stayed on with them for a couple more months um, at the end of my term. And I started picking up clients during that time. And there really was no downtime.
1: It was seamless. It wasn't like, it oh, was. I'm starting a whole new business. It's more an extension of the work that you had been doing, even though right. it was now your show that you were running.
0: Yeah, and the main difference really was like, oh, do I need like an assistant to help me because I can't do all these things or like how do I build my website? And like do I need invoicing software? Like those little like not little, but like those kind of extra things that you don't think about. Like that was the only sort of change that I really needed to to have. Otherwise the work was very, very similar.
1: Okay. You hinted earlier to the fact that you do some media training. It's a small part of your business, side hustle, I think you use the term. But what is that? Who hires you? Like, if one of us is listening to you now and says like, I need media training, are we a potential customer? Like who hires Trey for media training? And what does that entail? Actually, what does media training mean?
0: Yeah. So media training is because this is a a side hustle and it's fairly new. I've been doing it for just a couple of years and I trained all the executives and the spokespeople at Retail Me Not, So I had it under my belt already and I knew how much I loved it. And so this was kind of one of those things where I was thinking like, okay, my business is doing really well now, but like what happens if something changes, you know, and like clients start dropping off and like there's a, a big sort of tech crash, which is, potentially a problem and I'm like, I've got my eye on it. (laughs) So, you know, the media coaching was like, let me just kind of have this other thing. And so if you were someone who, who felt like you needed media training, it would basically be if you were perhaps interested in going on TV or you'd gone on TV and had a rough time, or if you were interested in public speaking, if you were interested in hosting Instagram lives, like any kind of public facing engagement. And so, uh, I have like, I've designed a questionnaire that uh, allows my potential client to like, let me know where they are in terms of Mm -hmm. their level of experience, their comfort level. They'll share with me previous clips if they have those available. So the experience level really can be from zero all the way to like a highly accomplished CEO. For instance, someone who's done a TED talk, or I have a client who's a former NFL player. Like my clients are all over the place. What I'm finding now is a lot of them are are CEOs, they're doctors, they're former NFL players. But also like I do have a couple of like aspiring on air talent, people who want to go on air and be lifestyle experts, like what I do, um, entrepreneurs. And so it's it runs the gamut. But I'm finding more like already high achieving people are coming to me. And I think it's maybe because they have like, the, the income to, you know, to apply for sure. this thing, you know, but the session is really customized around that questionnaire and around what that client really wants to get out of it. And so um, I have different levels depending on your level of experience. There's no cookie cutter approach. There's no course that you take online. Like, I don't believe in that at all, actually. Um, frankly, I'm a little bit offended by it. Like, how is it that you could like offer the same course to like every single person who needs media training? Sure. It makes no sense. Sure me. So it's a very intimate experience. Like we're one-on-one on zoom and we go through like a whole course of things depending on what it is that they need to learn. And then what I do supplementally is I help people prepare for their investor meetings, which became something that I never knew that I could do. But like, I've done yeah. that. you know, oh, yeah. um, you know, public speaking, hosting, training seminars, TV segments, you know, what have you. So it's a very intimate one on one thing. And I do help people like tweak their pitches and their talking points. And I play devil's advocate and throw curveballs, like as I'm playing the anchor, and we role play and I teach groups as well, which is actually a lot of fun. So It's different every single time. And I really love the intimacy of it and that like immediate feedback that you get from someone and me watching what they did with what they learned. And I'm just like, oh, that's like incredibly gratifying. So it's very, very different from everything else that I do, but I really love it.
1: Well, how cool to bring all that experience and plug it into another, not just a revenue stream, but another piece of your business. Like Mm -hmm. you're able to hand that off to somebody who doesn't have all of those years, but you get to pack that into your sessions with them and they come away with all the years that Trey put into this all the all the learnings she had and walk away with it and i will say i mean maybe i don't even need to say this but everybody needs some sort of media training at this point so i can imagine a lot more people needing that sort of objectivity brought into their life like help me understand how i'm being viewed how i'm being seen mm. If I'm if I'm pitching, am I coming across? Maybe I don't have all the answers, but am I coming across as some sort of an authority? What is it in my body language, or the tone of my voice, or the eye contact, or all those things? And I think so many of us just feel like, well, you either have it or you don't, and you're obviously here to say, oh, I, I, there's things I can teach you. I can fill in those gaps.
0: Absolutely, and I think also, you know, no matter who you are, like sometimes you don't have people around you. To be honest, and so yes. the other interesting thing that I find is that s- sometimes publicists will bring their clients to me to say, like, "Okay, I notice that you're moving your head around a lot. Yeah. Um, can we talk about that? You know, or or I see that you're sweating. Like, let's see if we can get you a little calmer before you go on air next time." And like, so we talk about body language and preparation and relaxation techniques and memorizing talking points and prepping and you know sometimes like we can't get out of our own way like a CEO a CEO is a very confident person a CEO who's a doctor is a super confident person and sometimes everyone's afraid to tell them they need to stop talking you know because like when you go on air like you're someone's guest you're in their home you have to be gracious to the nth degree and know how to read the room know when to stop and also virtual interviews are very different than in person there's no body language for you to read and so you're like when do I stop and And like, I talk about cues to pay attention to so you can know when to kind of dial back. And so it's all of those things. And like, everyone is different. And so it's a lot of fun for me. And I I think it's fun for my clients too. It
1: sounds like it. You seem pretty passionate about that. Do you imagine that to become a larger part of your business?
0: At some point, the earning potential is smaller. You know, if, if we're talking about from a business perspective, like, right now i'm in a, a sweet spot in terms of earning potential with clients getting them on tv and in mm-hmm. helping them get mentioned in editorial and so like i'm really kind of at the peak of my career there where with media coaching like you just can't you can't charge as much as you can to a brand that wants to do like a satellite media tour of 25 interviews or, you know what I mean? You just, it's just not comparable. And so, you know, I'm definitely riding this wave and I feel like I've earned this place. And so I'll do this as long as they'll have me. Um, but the media coaching is more of a passion project, and I can see kind of it taking up a little bit more space at some point because like mm-hmm. I could media coach forever. Like, will people have me on TV forever? I don't know, you know, we'll have to yeah. see. So I'm just kind of like I like to have a lot of things going all at the same time, but like I'm not a fan of hustle culture already. I'm just gonna put that out there. I know it sounds yeah. like I do a lot, but I am by no means killing myself, and I don't work on the weekends if I can help it. And, you know, so I have very strict boundaries around work-life balance and and all of that, because this like working 24 hours a day thing is like, I'm not a fan. So I just I think for your listeners, it's really important to know that um, I'm doing a lot, but I'm not killing myself.
1: No, and it's I think that gives us hope, especially, you know, our 40 plus listener. I think part of what she's considering is not just the current work she's doing, but the thing that she might want to do. She's a more mature person, and she wants those boundaries around that work so that she can enjoy other parts of her life. Mm. But the need for that hustle is just not there in the same way. There's a sense of like, I've put in a lot of time, and I want to lean on that. I want to rely on that. And the ideology too around it. Like, what is, what is the hustle really about? Like, what is it that I'm really trying to achieve? So I think that maturity has a role in that. I hope, I hope it does at this age.
0: (laughs) I think it does. And I think, you know, we all have lives and other responsibilities. And, you know, I took off early to take my daughter to an appointment yesterday. And, Like, that's just what I did. You know, I I took a vacation a couple weeks ago. And, you know, yes, I every morning I checked in on my email, but I had my vacation responder on. I was not going to ruin my vacation with my family for a gig, you know, so I was very clear with my clients that I was going, you know, so. I just think it's really important to set those boundaries. And again, like you said, like that maturity, I think helps because you're like, no, I have to take my daughter to the doctor right now. Like you have to be able to say that. And I worry about this great resignation and like Mm. Gen Zers and millennials just like up and quitting their jobs and starting businesses. I worry, I'm excited for them, but I worry Mm. about them because I wonder, do they have the maturity to run a business and pay their bills and without having a real job, like creating their own job, which like, I'm the first person to like encourage someone to do something. But I'm also like, maybe you should wait and save money for a couple of years or like, I think jumping off a cliff to start a business is a bad idea. And so this great resignation slash hustle culture that we're seeing right now concerns me.
1: I remember years ago interviewing an artist, and she said, I was committed to never being a starving artist, and I was committed to my art. And she Mm. said, so therefore, I did graphic design. It kept me working. I always had a client, and I was doing my art on the side, and it was the art I wanted to do. So I was creating a portfolio of art that was meaningful for me rather than having to create art that sold because I needed to pay my bills. And when she finally was able to leave behind the graphic design work and and be a full-time artist, she had a following for the art that she wanted to create. And then Mm. that could be a business that she could move into. And I often, when I'm talking to artists, anybody creative. I'm like, go listen to this particular episode. I think it'll be really meaningful for you to understand that you can pursue that thing that you're passionate about. It's just be strategic about it, how you do it. And it actually will breathe life into your creativity if you do it in such a way that you you remove that extra stress.
0: Yes. I love her approach. and. Yeah, it's not as fun as just jumping off a cliff to start yeah. a business, but like she built a foundation. Yeah. And it it that's so important and I think that's something that many entrepreneurs don't understand. They think they can just wing it. And like I'm the first person to say you can't unless you get very lucky and you have like you create this company that's a unicorn and everybody loves it sure. and you make a bazillion dollars like, you know, more power to you, but I just don't think that happens for most of us.
1: And you can't see a unicorn coming. It becomes a unicorn. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Everyone thinks like this is the unicorn and every investor VC will say to them, do you know how many people have said that to me? Unicorns are sort of made as it happens. Like they become that. It's in retrospect that we can call them unicorns. It's not in the initial business plan that you can sort of see that out. I want to ask you, because you are this television personality, what have you found to be an obstacle? We talked about that, you know, age has not been a thing for you. Are there things that maybe you're not a media personality if, you know, or if this is something you want to do, these are some of the obstacles you might come up against.
0: Mm, So I would say that I don't know if age is an obstacle for TV Or not, just because I pitch a lot. I don't book every show. You know, like today's show is a great example. I've been on today's show a bunch of times, but sometimes there's like three years in between segments. I've done Rachel Ray a bunch, but I haven't done Rachel Ray in a long time. And there is a shopping expert who goes on and she's quite a bit younger than me. Mm. So maybe that's the deal. I don't know. And you have to be willing to just know that there are other people in your space and you can't have all of it. And so you have to figure out how to be happy with the things that you can accomplish. Also, I think with this and with any business, it's like, there are certain TV stations that I've done dozens and dozens of times. And then suddenly my booker who I always work with leaves, and then no one returns my emails anymore. And so it's like, there are things that, that will happen that you can't take personally. But in terms of obstacles, I, I think, Really, you can be your own worst obstacle. And what I mean by that is that if you don't figure out a system to be consistent, then you're done. For instance, I belong to a little Instagram group and there are some great ladies in there. Some of them are not consistent at all with what they're doing, what they're putting out there. And then they endlessly complain that their account's not growing. I'm like, if anybody knows anything about Instagram, you have to be consistent. You have to be. And what I mean by that is like, if you can't commit to a, a few basic things, like if you're, you know, a, a, subject matter expert like myself, you have to post regularly on Instagram and does it have to be seven days a week? No. Is it three times a week? Is it five? Whatever it is, it's got to be consistent. Do you have a blog? Are you updating it regularly? Can you spare one article a month or two or five? You know, Are you constantly pitching relevant information to what's happening right now? You have to be able to commit to these things, especially in this world of social media when people can vet you in two seconds. If you have big gaps in what you're putting out there, you're in big trouble. And so I would say you are your own worst obstacle. And if you feel like you can't commit to these things, then this maybe isn't the right path for you. And maybe you need to work for someone else because, you know, many of us respond better to having structure and expectations laid out before you. Like we're not all entrepreneurs, which is again, like why this great resignation thing troubles me. We're not all built for this.
1: I remember, uh, and I've said this several times on the podcast when we first started this show, but I used to think anyone could be an entrepreneur. And after years of consulting entrepreneurs, which was my other gig, I soon said, nope, it is not for everybody. People are like, well, it's not for the weak. No, it's not for everybody. Like, not mm. every person gets joy out of this kind of work. Not every person is made to sort of envision what this thing could look like and then bring it to fruition. You mm. could be an idea person, that doesn't make you an entrepreneur. So I remember coming up with this conclusion that, like, it really isn't for everyone. And I used to do a workshop. This was probably 10 years ago. And the goal of the workshop wasn't to identify the business revenue streams or marketing plan or branding or anything like that. It was just, are you the girl for the job? (laughs) The price point was such that people were willing to be like, okay, let me go through this. And I may end this six-week course and say, I never want to be an entrepreneur, I'm sure of it. And that to me was just as important for people to really understand what are we talking about when when we say this? And some of them it was like, "Oh, you want to run a nonprofit or you want to write a book or you want to you want to just have a glamorous job." And so I'm glad to hear you saying that and I 100% agree. It's not for everyone. And part of why, you know, we pivoted in this podcast in February, and part of that is my own age and things that I became passionate about, but it was really wanting women to just see, hey, there's more that you can do. And I don't care if that's running your own business, I don't care if it's shifting your career, I don't care if it's starting a nonprofit or to you know, create a documentary, it doesn't matter. It's just really wanting women to see that there is still a future ahead. There are ways to do things. Part of why I asked you, how old were you when all of this sort of came down was so people could, in hearing your story, have hope about their own, that there's so much more uh, ahead of us. And it's not because I want you to go launch a business at 50. That's not the goal. If you want yeah. to, I want you to know that you can't, but that's not the goal. <laughs> so I, I appreciate you saying that. Just really quickly, kind of before we go into our fast five, what has launching this, you know, lifestyle media career, what has it taught you about yourself?
0: It's taught me that I am tenacious. And I almost feel like tenacity has more value than sort of intellectual prowess. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I know people who are far smarter than me, but they don't have that thing that I know that I have, that I'm going to keep trying and going and doing until I get there. You know, we're not all built that way. And I love building this brand and like building it like a brand, like, yes, this is, this is my life, but I love living my brand. (laughs) And So it helps me enjoy what I do so much more because it's actually my life. And I think that what's so great about now, and, you know, even with COVID and this rise in entrepreneurship is that we can actually create things for ourselves out of nothing. And so that's what I've learned about myself is that I really do love creating things out of nothing. And I really do enjoy this job that I've created.
1: Mm. And it's clear in hearing you talk about it. It's clear that you live the life. It's clear that even even though it represents a small part of your business, that the media training you're doing is life-giving. And therefore, I'm sure life-giving to those that you're training, it's evident in, in everything that you say. But I'm not letting you off the hook yet. I am going to ask you these fast fives. First, is there a hat, and you probably have of all my guests have several of these things to share, but a hack, a book, I'll say a product, a practice, anything that you feel like has been a great resource for you that would be for women over 40.
0: Yeah. So browser extensions. If you do not have one browser extension from a coupon site, like Coupon Cabin, Slick Deals, Rakuten, they all have them install it into your computer. It's free to do so. And literally, as you browse online, a little savings opportunity might pop up like, hey, you can earn 3.5% cash back or 20% off of this purchase. That to me is by far the easiest way to save money on a consistent basis. That I would say for sure. Okay. Um, Is honey one of those? Yes, honey is too. Okay, good. I like honey
1: too. What's um, been your favorite thing about this season of life?
0: The comfort that I have in my own ability Mm -hmm. and how calmly I can weather adversity if it happens. That to me comes with maturity, having so many experiences behind you. Being a parent for me has helped as well. Like you can handle a lot more (laughs) once you have one, two, three kids. I have one, but like I can handle a lot more than I could before she was born. So that's maybe my favorite part
1: by the way i always say zero to one is that's the hard stuff i have three kids and they just take care of each other now so it was that zero to one that was that was like whoa my whole life has changed (laughs) yeah i absolutely agree that that is that job is no joke and teaches Mm -hmm. you teaches you so much about yourself what would you say to someone a friend of yours who said you know what trey it's too late i don't i don't think i can really start something in in my 50s like What do I have to offer? What do you say to her?
0: Well, first of all, I would say it's not true if you feel that you're just too old. Mm -hmm. However, if you don't have something that you're passionate about or a good idea or a a way to answer a need, it might not be the right time. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that entrepreneurship, like we talked about, I don't think it's for everyone, but I would hate to see that someone who has an incredible amount of talent or drive something interesting to say didn't allow themselves to pursue that because they felt like it was too late.
1: I love that distinction. No one's ever said anything like that. I love that so much. I think that's, especially as we are talking about entrepreneurship or as it applies to entrepreneurship, I think that's absolutely right. Which is also to say that 10 years from now, it's also not too late. If that idea comes, that It's because it's not about age. And again, just for our listeners to reiterate that we're not just talking about entrepreneurship here. In this particular exchange, Trey and I are. But I think when we talk about it not being too late, it's for whatever is next for you. This is a new season. And you know, when I think of all of the statistics, all the data around how we're living so much longer, and I see people who are like, yeah, I'm kind of done. Like, I'm all set. I'm thinking, you're halfway there. (laughs) What
0: do you mean you're all set? There's so
1: much more. But I'm not saying that in a way, um, in the traditional way of like, your career isn't over. I'm talking about the things that you can do, the the way that you can sort of light up the world, the way that you can serve, the way that you can be curious and Mm. and serve yourself. And then if you were mentoring your younger self, so 20-year-old Trey, um, and you want to say to her something about midlife, Uh, what would you say? What would your advice be to her?
0: Build a community around yourself, a strong, trusted community. They don't have to be doing all the same thing. Mm. Um, But I think like there's nothing more powerful than a whisper network, where Mm. you can call a friend and be like, how do you, how much did you charge for this? Because it's comparable to something I'm talking about, like where you can get down to brass tacks and have very honest conversations or like, I just did a segment. I felt kind of crappy about it. Like, can you watch it back and let me know what you saw? Like honest, trusted people that my friends and my network make me so much more powerful than I would have been on my own. And especially mm-hmm. if you're going to try something new, it can be very isolating and lonely because it's something new and it's yours. But if you have a support system around you, giving you feedback, honest feedback, like there's nothing like that. It's incredibly powerful.
1: Why do you call it the whisper network? I've never heard that term of art.
0: (laughs) Um, So I call it the whisper network because I have what I call a whisper network of other lifestyle experts, because especially if you create something that's, it's kind of nebulous. It's like, there's Uh no definition. Nobody knows how much to charge. No one knows how to do certain things or how do you like what invoicing software to use? I know I said that before, but like yeah. how do you know that stuff? And so rather than taking like 3 years to figure it out, like you could just ask someone. I had one this morning, a call with someone in my whisper network and we talked like very honestly about what we've charged for certain things and how we approach certain situations and exchanged a couple of warm producer contacts like that call alone like we each accomplish so much mm. the reason why to me it's a whisper network is it's something that no one ever knows about you know it's like it's not like a club that you can then like put out into the world and other people can join it's just like a very small secret society that you know to my mind is really really important and it's also a great opportunity to help each other grow and so yeah. like for instance i have a good friend who's part of this and She's been putting out videos with amazing content, but like really over filtering her face. And I've been thinking about this for a while. And I was like, I have to tell her this, like, she's so beautiful and vibrant and she's our age and it's okay to show that. And I felt yeah. like overfiltering almost was like cheapening what she was doing. And so I finally told her. And she was so appreciative. And like, even if in the in the back of her mind, she was upset or hurt. Yeah, I, like yeah. I just said, like, you're so beautiful and vibrant. And like, I don't believe you if you if you feel to yourself that way. Sure, Like, you have to be able to have people around you to say things like that too, because it's just, it's a way of kind of skipping the line in yeah. in the very best way.
1: I think what you're saying is so important. I didn't realize I have a whisper network. So I'm so happy. <laughs> I have to say this that network can't be valuable unless you're a giver. Mm. And the reason I say that is I have found people who've stepped into, whether it's um, within my circles or other circles, and they find that those things are not um, bearing fruit. And I Mm. often find that you're probably a taker. People start to shut down. They don't wanna give you more information, give you more leads, give you more advice because you're not bringing anything to the table. So I think you must be a great giver to have that be such a meaningful network for you, but also wanting our listeners to really hear that, that I think that's an important component.
0: I totally agree. I mean, reciprocity is crucial. Yeah. So you can't just bleed someone dry. You can't yeah. be the one calling, asking for help all the time. It can't be that. You have to give, you have to. And so I'm I'm actually, I'm very glad that you brought that up because that's a really, really important component you all rise together, right? And, you know, as you get older, what's beautiful about getting older is that you have more and more people to add to that mountain, right? Like when you're young you only have a few people. But as you get older, my gosh, like that mountain becomes incredibly powerful. I would say to a younger person, like build that network and nurture it. Some people are terrible at keeping in touch with each other. And it's we can't keep in touch with everyone. We've always like I'm talking to you. And I'm like, Oh, my God, why haven't we talked in so long? I was
1: just gonna say case in point this relationship. But you know, when I saw you, it was just a hello. And then that hello became a when I saw you on, on TV, you know, I reached out on, I DM'd you, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was like, a, wait a minute, Trey should be on the show. You know, it's sort of like organically there was this opportunity, but it's also that comes from those years and years of collecting people, not burning bridges, making sure things end well, that we're able to reach back out and, and do that sort of thing. So what a great, what a great thing to say on the show when here we are examples of that, you know, exactly. 20 years later.
0: You know Netta, I'm I'm glad that you just brought that up too. It's like I think part of this in that that message to your younger self is about not burning bridges. Mm. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because that's a really important component as well. Like I know that I'd say 99% of the people I've worked with if someone asked them about me, they wouldn't have bad things to say. Yeah. And that's really important. So like, even though a situation might get frustrating or it doesn't work out the way and someone had different expectations, Mm -hmm. whatever, you should always do your best to, to fix it as best you can. And like maybe return the favor if it didn't work out or whatever it is. And this is like one of my favorite things to talk to my daughter about as she's 15 and I'm trying to show her that. Because that to me is like just as powerful. And it's very much a part of building this mountain is like building this mountain of goodwill uh, around you. You don't, if people hate you or dislike you or don't admire you, that's like their own thing. And it's not because of something that you've personally done.
1: If you know that, if you've made that effort, then Mm -hmm. you can in good conscience sort of move on and say, sure, not everyone's going to love me, but it's not because I didn't do the right thing or do the right thing according to me. Right.
0: Yeah. And if you do the wrong thing, apologize. Like yeah. be a big girl and apologize. I wasn't at my best. We're not all angels, right? And we're not yeah. all at our best. And like example, when I was at Retail Me Not like near the end, I wasn't I wasn't at my best. And I wasn't happy. And I I behaved badly in times. Mm-hmm. And and I've I've gone back and I've apologized to people, you know, and whether they've felt slighted before, or they didn't care, or whatever it is, like, I was able to say, like, I wasn't at my best, and I'm sorry. And I hope that you can know that you can rely on me for something else kind of thing. Clean up your messes when you make them.
1: And you will make them. You will make them. And yes, I think it's a good point. It's not about kind of remaining pure and making sure nothing happens in all of, in this, you know, lifetime of things that we're going to do and interactions we're going to have and relationships we're going to be in. It's really about in your humanity, being able to own it. So many good nuggets here. I love it. I love this. <laughs> this is the not so fast five, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And then um, I have to ask, because the name of our show is Liberty Road, and it's sort of a, um, this idea of liberating those dreams, those things that you want to do in midlife and beyond. But for you, how has starting your own venture really twice over now, like how has this liberated you?
0: Well, I think I realized that I don't, I don't do well in structured environments and I could continue to try to like fit that square peg into the round hole, like going after these Estee Lauder jobs, that would have been a huge mistake. And so- those people who were kind enough to sit with me and like shake their heads and be like, I can't see this, they were doing me a huge favor. What's liberated me is understanding that like, I'm not made necessarily to work in a in a big corporate environment, I'm just not. I know that I need to make my own way on my own terms and knowing that about myself liberates me.
1: Mm, that's awesome. And a, a great way to wrap up our time together. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. It's been such a treat to have you on the show and to see your face again.
0: Oh my gosh, the same. It's It's been delightful to reconnect with you.
1: Yes, yes. And we'll connect some more. And Liberty listeners, thank you guys so much for spending this time with um Trey and with me. And I have no doubt that you've learned so much from listening to Trey's wisdom and gleaning from her experience. And you can check her out. We will have her URL and all of her handles in the show notes. Thanks again, Trey and Liberty listeners. We will come back at you guys next week. Take care. Bye. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty Road is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham and music by Jordan Flower.